To the Soren Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brayden, and as always, I am joined by that mountain of a pineapple, Alan Pena. Alan, how are we doing today, buddy? Actually, pretty good. Just got in, just had a great lunch. Uh, it's pretty much a day off today, which is great, as pretty much there'll be, I'll be pretty busy a little bit in the weekend, but it's always great when you have a day off where you can make charge and refocus. You know, it's always great doing that. No, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, it, it's great. And you know, it's great weather for a Thursday. Oh yeah, it is. I just took my dog for a walk, probably like probably two laps around the complex where where I live, and it's pretty fun. Really, it, it was a little bit of a breeze. It's a little bit of a breeze, and. Yeah, I can't complain about it. It's, it's always great when it's always a great day when we get to go outside and you get you add the breeze there. It just adds more, more, more fluidity and more of an importance of hey, go outside for a bit, enjoy, enjoy the fresh air. Oh yeah, and you know what better day to talk about finals? When parades are happening out in the city, hang on, we gotta wait for whatever's going by here. Oh, look, a truck. There's another one. Okay, I think. Yeah, I live next to a busy road at times, so. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that road very well. I do. Anyway, so yeah, so championship parades, it's what a bit sports season's all about. And, you know, thank for one team in particular. It's all on the back of one player, really. You know, but he's a team guy, and it's all about his, his teammates. And you can argue it's all on the back of two players, really. And we're going to start off today with some history being made in Denver, Colorado. The Nuggets have won their first ever championship having been in the NBA for over 47 years. You know, and uh, when you look at what this season's meant for not only the players, but for the fans who have been following Denver for a long time, it's it's exhilarating to see this happen, you know. Um, it's just fun, and I think the best part is you hear all the post-game comments from Jokic, and you're, how can you not fall in love with this guy? Yeah, I mean, the guy is, you know, I understand, I think, for him, how he approached the finals. Okay, I, I have no problem with it. Either way, like, there's some that will bring the emotion out, like Jamal Murray, that he did, which, I mean, he took probably one of the hardest roads to get to where he's at. Like, and show it off, show that emotion, joke this. I mean, he's more of, hey, share it with other people, his family, a couple teammates, 
could go either way, but I mean, the road they took, like they, they just stuck with it, like and because probably I would say this, I think now we have seen what happens when when you stick to it, you stick with the guys that you have and build around, and well, everybody's like, oh, we gotta rush, we gotta rush. There's a process. And when, when we're there, and during the process, there's an opportunity. Hey, he's available. Now we can get him. That's okay to do. And Denver, they did that during the course of the years. And it just shows in professional sports, guys, you want to win a title? This is how it's going to be. It's going to be tough. But they did it. And they earned it. They really did. They earned the title. This wasn't given to them. They had to earn it. And kudos to them. That's how you win a title. You got to earn it. Nothing is given. And they did earn it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I it not only was it earned, but the way they did it, you know, had they defeated defeated the Warriors going into the finals, it would have been a lot still. It's the first championship in NBA history for the Nuggets. But to do it by sweeping the Lakers, who has been the monkey on the back of the organization forever, as long as I can remember, the Nuggets would do really well in the playoffs and then get beat by the Lakers. We saw it in the bubble. We saw, And now we see, you know, here they are. They passed and we talked about it before, but it's really through the efforts and the leadership of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, you know, two of the biggest international stars in the Denver Nuggets and maybe even the whole NBA's league as a whole. Yeah, the dynamic duo that most bring. And the fact that they both came off the bench together, like, it's so good. Like, they worked on their game. I even saw a clip of them playing together at the High Cook Summit. That's what I think over their high school time. And this was where it was going to be. And Nicole was in the division in Serbia. And you could see some differences. Hey, if there are a it's pretty good. We did not expect. Wow. Like, and... <laughs> Yes, yes. And being the name finals MVP with the being draft, with the lowest draft pick, it just goes to show that there is talent. You can find them anywhere now. Like, you don't have to be the number one overall pick or a, t- or a lottery pick to be great. There's been second rounders. Like, even another international player, Tony Parker. I think he was drafted in the second round, something like that. He was named fin- from France. He was named Finals MVP. So people up. So you can find those talents anywhere, and as long as you trust in it, help them develop, it worked. And that's why Denver, I think, now has become the blueprint. And I'll get to them. I'll get to that in a bit. But really, it just shows. Why Denver, the ownership, where Stan Kroenke, I'm like, man, like, what's your secret? I want to know. So 
Subway. Can you buy the Rockies? <laughs> yeah. So, I, and there's like the ownership and management saying, "Hey, we're trusting you." And even with Coach Malone, hey, we're going to trust you. Let's build this and keep it going from there. And I think, you know, the biggest trust moment came when Jamal Murray tore his ACL. You know, the mm-hmm. Nuggets had no yes. obligation at that point to keep him on the team, keep him in the organization. They could have traded him, and we could they could have tried everything to win that championship last season. But no, they said, we're going to wait for you. We're going to keep you. You know, we know with you we're going to do it. And then next season, boom, here we are. Nuggets are world champions. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Trust. Like the trust in these players, and and look, they they know what they're doing. Pretty much, I I I could truly say now, and what what will happen in the off season? But for now, I think the West is going to be Denver's. I think how they how they just play together, and as long as you have that leadership with Joker. Murray and then Michael Malone and Michael Porter Jr. I forget about them. They'll be fine. I would just say the only offseason priority. You're not going to have to just re-sign Bruce Brown, which he has said he wants to stay, and there's likely chance he will. So as long as you got that leadership, they'll be fine. And then the thing with Joker's game is he could play that long with how he plays because he doesn't have to be flashy or or quickness. He beats you with his mind. And that, you could play in the league for a very long time, as long as you're healthy, which I believe he can do. Right. And, you know, let's let's listen to, like, the last 14 seconds here of that game. In. Inbound. Over Sturz Lowry three. That one misses. Rebound down to KCP. Eight seconds left to go. Casey's across the timeline. And he'll dribble it out. The 47 year wait is over. The Denver Nuggets stand on top of the NBA world. They are champions. Like, and that was from Altitude Radio, that call. Like, you can tell in that just how much that means, not only to them, but the organization. And, Alan, did you see what Jokic did after the game was over? I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure. What the first thing he did was he went and he shook every Miami oh, yeah. Heat player's hand. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. Yes, I did. I you know, forgot about we, we talk about what a great player this Nikola Jokic is, but I think we often need to forget this guy, he's a great man. He's a great sportsman, too. Like, you know, suck. I apologize for Heat fans listening to this. I'm a Nuggets fan tr- through and through. Like, Nuggets win. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the fact that our star player, our leader, you know, the Sambor Shuffle guy, he goes through and he makes sure, you know, he says good game to all the coaches and all the players 
and all the people that were on that sideline for the Miami Heat before he goes off and celebrates with his teammates. You know, that shows you what kind of caliber of player this guy is, and it's no wonder why the NBA sports world and fans all over the world are falling in with this Nikola Jokic bandwagon and just getting behind him because of what he's capable of doing and what he's done to get people to this point. And it's sad because, like, and I've heard this all over, I think, and it, it was just, hey, it, like, oh, Joker this, his game and all, but once you keep making papers, that's when people saw, oh, wait a minute, why haven't I heard about it? And it's sad for, like, not for like those casual fans that would watch the NBA, watch the highlights, that's all they want. Joker, it's different where you have to see a game to uh, or probably a couple games to understand why he is who he is, why he is that good. And, and I, I think, think it took you a while to even get to that point, though, Alan. <laughs> well, not as a player. That, that, that was that's a whole different story. I knew, like, okay, I like how he plays, but I want to see him keep it going, keep it going. And all right, I like it, you know, I really do. And I think if he would have came in at the same time that I was playing high school, I probably would have emulated my game. I, and who knows? But I think now he has opened the floodgates. And and I wouldn't even say, Brayden, that I think now the NBA should realize, hey, small ball, it works, but not for long. You you're still going to need a big man that can score like and dribble. I'm not saying that big man has to be like Joker, has to have the exact same skills. I'm not saying that. But needs to do some of the stuff, like scoring the paint, have some three-point shooting, has um, can dribble the ball when needed, and obviously can defend. So I would say now the NBA – we're going to see the big man again. Probably not the back-to-the-basket like the years of, of Shaq, um, Akeem Olajuwon, but how Joker plays and how Embiid plays, that is the new big man. And I think in the future, I think this is a lot of coaches are going to be like, you know what? We're going to emphasize the big man. Because guards... There's a lot of guards, really. There is, and good ones. But when you have a big man that can dominate that way, the way Joker did, that can carry a franchise for a very long time. And that is the difference. Like, so, something, oh, it's still the guards because of Stefanol. Oh, Joker changed that. And, and if you really think about it, in 2019, 2020, the bubble, 2021, 2022, and now the Nuggets, four of those teams had big men. Toronto, 2019, with Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol, two guys from Spain. The Lakers, they had a tons of it with Anthony Davis, Javel McGee, Dwight Howard. 2021, Giannis. But they also had Brooke Lopez there. And then this one, Joker, Aaron Gordon, they had size 
from everywhere. So I think now seeing that four of the five champions had big men, it just goes to show you, hey, it is time. That that's how you're gonna win now. No more of we gotta win by hitting three point shots. You we gotta we gotta attempt fifty three pointers. I think now you can realize, hey, we can totally attempt twenty, but attacking the paint. And I think Denver has shown that. And I think this is going to be the formula to win for a very long time because you can win that way. And and you'll have opportunities to get to another finals. Right. And let's talk about this. You know, you mentioned Paul Gasol and the Spanish players that Mark. led. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. Who led their team to the finals. You know, Giannis, probably the best emulation of what's going on with this international market just taking over the NBA. Yeah. Giannis was the first to do it. You know, back to back. Okay, here's the crazy stat for you. We love them talking about MVPs. We love debating the MVP. Alan has finally yeah. seen the truth about Nikola Jokic over here. And, you know, I told him for a long time. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> hey, Nicole- I can handle it. It's oh. just a voting part. It's just a voting. It's just the voting. How they do, do it, I don't know. You know that. Well, never to your argument, man, to your argument, he's now won more than anything of what Embiid's ever now won. Now he's won, yes. He's won more than what Embiid ever won. But going yeah. back to the whole point I was trying to make, for the past five years, Alan, count them, one, two, three, four, five, MVPs have not been American-born. Two back-to-backs from Giannis, who's from where? Greece. Two Greece, back-to-back yeah. from Nikola Jokic, from where? Serbia. Nikola or uh, Joel Embiid, Cameroon. You know, this is fantastic for the world and international game players as a whole. And this is what we love to do on this podcast is just highlight these guys, right? Like, Nikola Jokic, finals MVP. He lost the trophy. This guy, he does not care that he won finals MVP. He cared about winning the finals. And when first thing he said afterwards was, I need to go home. This guy, he treats the NBA like it's a nine to five. <laughs> what did that happen before? Larry Bird, he he was that way as well. Like, yeah, he was celebrating all, but then, okay, I'm gonna go home, back to Indiana, and I gotta go mow the lawn. He has said that. I've read, I've read in a book uh, that he and Matt Scott book that was the one that told him '84. That's what he said, and I'm alright with that. Right. I'm all right with that. Was he beloved? Yes. So it's not the first time a player has said that, and I don't think it won't be the last time we're going to hear that. And why don't we go le- actually listen to what's going on? So in the after finals finals game press conference, Nikola Jokic, and thanks to ESPN TikTok for this sound, we hear Nikola Jokic get asked if he's excited for to pray. That happened this morning that I spent all morning watching. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. I'm a... Okay. Uh... You know, like, first thing he says is, no, I need to go home. We find out later, he's got his horses racing Sunday. You know, so he wants to go be there to see his horses win. But... Oh, yeah. This guy, he's got his priorities straight. Not once... Throughout the celebration that night, did we see him hold really the trophies for a whole lot, whole, very long? 
who was he? What was he holding, or who was he holding? It was his daughter. His whole the whole time they're celebrating mm-hmm. on in front yeah. of their fans. He he's he's in dad mode. He's celebrating with his teammates, but he's holding his daughter. You know that is the kind of guy the NBA needs to market. That's the kind of guy you want your fans to be role modeling after. You know, Nikola Jokic. He's the face of the NBA. You can't tell me otherwise right now. You know, Jonas. He's up there too. The faces of the NBA, Alan, right now I would say is Jonas Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, and possibly Luka Doncic. He's up there. But the faces of the NBA are not American-made. And how cool is that? You just got to get him a team in Dallas, which we'll see what happens over there. He needs a big man. They are. (laughs) They are. So I think what I think what people are now realizing is, hey, like they, they're they're tough. Tough. They're they come in with a different mindset. Like they're not worried about. Oh, I gotta look good on Instagram. You don't hear the only thing you hear them on Instagram or TikTok is hey, they'll post pictures celebrating with the teammates. They're with their families. That's it. And and I think that's as I mentioned before, a lot of I think a lot of coaches. From each level now, they're going to have to start not just from the pro, but the college, and even down to the high school levels. Need to realize developing a post game matters. Like you still, you can still do the whole like, like okay, dribbling the ball and shooting threes and all, but being able to drive to the basket like Booker does. Like now, it's like that has to come back because if you're gonna win a title now, no more is we're jacking up threes. It's all about now the big man. You gotta have a big man now that doesn't not not only defense, but it's gotta do everything as well. So, Joker, if you if he when he retires, I think he will be the one. That well, some will say, "Oh, he changed the game." To me, he did not change the game. He evolved it. For a, for a big man. He did. Mm-hmm. He evolved it. You gotta like not only the big man is still valuable, valuable, but also they gotta evolve, and they have. And I would say when he retires, whenever that happens in ten years. That is exactly what we'll remember as he evolved the big man position. Along with the beat as well. Along with the beat, along with Giannis. They have evolved it. And this is the international era now. And and next week we're gonna have another one being drafted. And we'll talk about him next time. Wow. So we live in that era and fans need to accept it. Not just accept it, embrace it. You so, can't handle the truth. So yeah, like this is the era we live at, and I think this era is, I'm gonna say, it's gonna continue for a very long time. It's the only era where it's not gonna end. It's gonna be forever, just because of how global the game of basketball is. Right, and I can't remember who I listened to say it, and if you guys out there find it, you know, let me know. We'll put it in show notes. We want to credit this person, but. I was listening to sports talk radio or a sports talk show, but 
the point they were making, and the quote I'm saying is basically this guy. He's saying these international players they're they're way better and more mature than anything the United States is producing right now because starting at age 15, they're already playing with men. They're playing with adults yeah. playing. I've basketball. heard that as well. They're yes. already professionals, and. I don't know if we can emulate that in the state somehow, but we got to find a way if we want to remain, you know, up top in basketball. We got to find a way to do that. And well, I think the the G League is a good answer. Is trying to do that once they graduate from high school, but it's a little bit different. Like you have someone like Luca play at a big club. Like, while Giannis and I think Jokers play, like, Division Two in Europe, Luca was playing for Real Madrid, their basketball team. They have the same ideology as their soccer team. They really do. And he played in the big stage, helped to win the EuroLeague, which is equivalent of the NBA Finals. He or would did. it be more of an equivalent of the, cha- the, the Champions League? The Champions League, yes. Thank you. So... He did that at 18. So the U.S. is trying to do that as far as the G League and then overtime elite, but it's a little bit different. And I don't know if it could be replicated, but I think the biggest thing is, is the lower levels, the high schools, the AAUs, where you have to develop that maturity and teach them that way. And otherwise, like, it will be the same. Like maturity again, because why social media has played a huge role. Like, where we all care about, oh, I want to look good in social media. I want to make put a dunk on it so I can show everybody, oh, I can fly, I can do this and that. These players that come from overseas, they don't worry about that, they let others do it. And I think that's approach today and we talked about it in the beginning when we started this i think it was our third episode countries developing talent a lot of it is hey trust the process we're we're gonna grow we're gonna build that then we'll be competitive and that's how these nations have done it is we're gonna build we're gonna grow we're not there yet how the u.s is doing as far as talent but when we are We'll be ready, and we won't be afraid of playing the game of basketball in the U.S. or wherever around the world. And I think us here in the U.S., we're trying to fast, fast. we got to produce now, now. In Europe, oh, hey, we're going to develop, and then eventually, boom, it becomes a masterpiece. Right, and you know, I could keep going forever about, you know, my team winning the championship. Let's go two years in a row. Um, But, you know, we also got to recognize the fact that the Heat played admirably. You know, they they came from pretty much nowhere winning and getting to the, the, the finals is no easy deal. They somehow did it, and here we are. You know, they didn't, they're not champions, they're runner ups. But, hey, congrats to them. They deserve a round of applause. You know, congrats to them and everything they did. Let me see if I can find the right button here. Here we go. 
So, you know, congrats to the Miami Heat. You came from a play-in all the way to the finals, and that's very admirable because you went to a spot where no one thought you could make it to start the postseason. So congratulations. You guys deserve all the recognition. Maybe you're back in it next year. Maybe you win it next year. Who knows? You never know. But that being said, Alan, we're going to start talk. I think it's time we start talking, excuse me, about the hardest trophy to win in all of sports and yet the greatest trophy to win in all of sports. Am I biased? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is the Stanley Cup is the most honored trophy, has the best trophy celebration in all of sports. And as far as I'm aware, it's the only trophy presentation where it does not go to the owner first. Yeah. And that was won by the Vegas Golden Knights. They deserve a round of applause. Here we go. And we're going to take a look at this roster real quick. And, Alan, we're going to talk about uh, here's their forward roster right here. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players, if I counted right. On which, for which roster? For both of them? So, for Vegas Gold Knights, so we have nine Canadians, one Russian, one Latvian. We have a few Americans, one Swede, Swedish person, and that's just their forward group. And then on the defense, we have a couple, we have a few more Canadians. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, we have seven Canadians, and then on their goalies, you have one, two, and three from Canada. So Canada is very highly represented on the Vegas Golden Knights. And Russia, Latvia, and Sweden are also represented. So the fact that, you know, this cup means so much, not only to the, the Canadian-born players who may, largely make up the Vegas Golden Knights, but William Carlson from Sweden, from, for, oh, I lost the name here. For even Barba, Ivan Barbashev from Moscow, for Teddy Bluger from Riga, Latvia. You know, it means so much for these yeah. guys, and their name is now enshrined in history. They have won the Stanley Cup. Congratulations, and, you know, we'll give you a DJ air horn here. And, you know, as much as we hate, I might hate to admit it, Alan, you know, I'm not a Vegas hater, I would say, but. The fact that they won it in six years of team existence is not only impressive, but it makes you wonder what's next for the organization. Because their roster is aging rapidly. And you look at their farm system, it's not got a whole lot to replenish. But before we get anywhere there, Alan, what do you want to say about Vegas winning the Cup? Well, I would say it's about time because... I have picked them several times to win the Stanley Cup, and and it's been it, it's been disappointing. I think really, by what they've done is tremendous, and and look, I, I don't think Vegas is going anywhere. Um, they're still you may say they are aging just a little bit, pretty much. The old the oldest 
player that they have. They got thirty-five. Other than that, everybody else is either in mid twenties, early thirties. So I'm, I just looked at the roster, and it, I think they're not going anywhere. I don't think so. As long as they're healthy, they're not going anywhere. And I think that the blueprint that they have is fine. And if they just keep, as you mentioned, building their farm system, they'll be fine. But to me, Vegas, I looked at the opposite way. They're not going anywhere. They're not. And I thought I said the same thing about the Avalanche a little bit, but Vegas is a completely different animal. And they're not going anywhere. Vegas, they're not. I, I could see them repeating. They could. It's hard. Yes. Tampa has shown how hard it is. They've done it twice. So could I see Vegas doing that? Absolutely. I can see them repeating. I'm not here to say, oh, they're going to win it. Because I really see the Kings win it. But Vegas could actually pull this off. They're, they're rushing. It's still in its prime. And... And they'll be fine, for sure. They will be fine. Right. Of that, I'm not saying, you know, next year is going... Obviously, this roster is doing great. But it's going to be interesting. You know, I've sent a text to one of our resident Vegas fans that Alan and I know or and whatnot, asking him what a fan's perspective is on winning the cup. So hopefully he gets back to us while we're recording. Um, let me uh, get Alan back on the line here. <laughs> but anyway, like, we'll see what he has to say, guys. But the whole point of this is to say congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, they might not be my favorite team in the world. We all know by now that if you listen to this podcast, you know my favorite team is the Colorado Avalanche. And so we're going to, once we get Allen back on, we're going to talk a little bit more about Vegas and their journey to get to the cup because that is worth mentioning here. All right, Alan. So I was just uh, going on a monologue while you were gone. But um, basically, Alan, I think it needs to be mentioned that the Vegas Golden Knights, they had basically it, the Av season this year. They had that last year. Mm -hmm. Injuries galore, star players coming in and out of the lineup. It was rough, you know, like. I get where Vegas fans were coming from last year because I experienced that this year. And the only difference is my team made the playoffs this year and won their division. You can't say the same about the Golden Knights. But the way they bounced back this year, Alan, I had them pick to make it to the playoffs because I didn't think they'd have the same injury issues they had this year. But to see mm -hmm. them bounce back from all the injuries they had last year and win the cup, I got to tell you, as an Az fan who had that a very similar experience with injuries this year, it gives me hope that maybe next year we're, we're talking about an Az Cup victory. But that being said, Al, what are your thoughts about Vegas' journey to get here? And then even the fact that, look, the goalie situation, that was a little bit interesting because at first it was like, who's going to be the goalie? And then out of the blue... Hill comes in, I think one of the goalkeepers is off and masterful. And I think he, I think he's going to, I think he's a free agent this year. But either way, I think he, he is ready to, to be a part of anywhere else. I think in Vegas, he 
I think he's going to stay in Vegas and keep manning the, the, the goalie procession there. But their journey, hey, they have been dominant. They've been able to, uh, to pounce away at every opportunity and not give anyone life. You know, it's similar how the Nuggets do it. Like, when they have a strangle, a stranglehold of a lead, they're not going to let it go. So, I would say this. Finally, they did it. And I didn't pick them to win because it, it was just a lot of question marks. But they've answered them. And I hope next year, the, like, if there's a way that the Knights and the Avalanche, Avalanche face each other in conference finals, that's going to be a good one. I'm going to get my popcorn. I don't know who I'm going to root for. But we're going to have them some series if they meet up for the in the conference finals. I think those two are, I think, are going to be the two best teams next year in the Western Conference. And and it's going to, and, and as I mentioned, Vegas is not going anywhere. And, and whatever happens in Vegas, I think it's going to spread its wings in the NHL. And Las Vegas has a lot to say now. Their, their momentum is now on them, knowing that there's another major sports coming in there. So we'll get into that later. But all I can say, in the words of Elvis, Viva Las Vegas. We'll credit the Seattle uh, Kraken TikTok for this one. This was a genius. The caption reads, when Vegas wins a cup, and now you got to hear about it for the next four months. Wait, hang on. It helps when I have the audio set. This is the worst. <laughs> now, all joking aside, congrats once again to the Vegas Golden Knights. And, Alan, you hit the nail on the head. Although, we'll have to wait and see for sure. It's all looking like the Oakland A's will be moving to Vegas. We'll see what happens, because it's not over till it's over. But we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we will. Now, that being said, let's go back to this cup win. They're doing the parade at like 7.30 Pacific Daylight Time in, on the Strip, which is fantastic. You know, and... I, I hate to say it, Vegas fans, because obviously you can never guarantee, but this might be the one thing that happened in Vegas that might not stay in Vegas. <laughs> well, like I said, it will spread because, I, like I said, they, they still have a shot next year. And, yeah, like Vegas now is becoming a sports town. Well, and you could, you could credit now to sports gambling being open. And that has allowed franchises, hey, let's move to this part of the desert, Las Vegas. And absolutely, like it's like the owner, the ownership there was like, hey, we're going to win the Stanley Cup in six years. They did it. And they're not, they're not going anywhere, Las Vegas. And, and as a matter of fact, getting to see them in person, I got to, my wife and I got to see them versus the Kings. And there was some ingredients like, hey, they're not that far off. They, I think they were dealing with interest that year. But it just goes to show you, hey, they got the ingredients right. They just need convergence of factors to come together. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, you know, I couldn't 
I couldn't say describe it any better than anything. You know, I've reached out to a couple Vegas fans that I know. Well, I haven't heard back from them yet, so we'll we'll see. Um, I know uh, one of them is pretty ecstatic. Um, he, I don't know if he slept much since the cup win. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I can't blame him. It's a, it's a great feeling to see your team win a cup or a trope or the, 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 the finals. You know, it, it's a great feeling. And you know, you might not never feel it again. You never know in your lifetime. Sports is, it's a, it's a cruel mistress. Mm-hmm. It brings you the best of all emotions, but it can also bring you the worst of all emotions. Just ask Nug- Nuggets fans that are older than about 47. <laughs> yep. Jazz fans, you uh, you know what it's like to reach the finals, but unfortunately you ran into Michael Jordan. So um, we'll see if you ever get back there. I, I think Jordan kind of stole the Jazz soul for a little bit. <laughs> yep. But, you know... And that kind of leads into this final topic, Alan, I think we should mention. And and that is what the finals means for fans, for players, and for people around the world that love these leagues, right? Like, I don't know how the NBA works, but let's stick with the Stanley Cup. All these players are going to take the Stanley Cup and have their day with the Cup, where they'll take it to their hometown and just show it off and party with their family and friends and the trophy. And that is awesome you know that means so much to the player to the family you know who helped get them to where they are today and it also means so much to um the friends you know that went to all the games or were part of the practices or the teams you know it means so much to them to see their friend their their brother their father their son their what have you win this trophy and bring it home and i think that's fantastic i honestly think other sports could do it too have these players bend a day with the trophy in their hometowns. I don't know if other sports do it. There's some that will do it. Not not all of them, but there's some that will do it. I can't remember who has has done that, but I think I know it was Dirk Nowitzki. He did do that when he went to Germany and showed it off. He did do that. There have been players that they've done that. They have. It's just sometimes it's not documented as the NHL, it's not. But there's some that, oh, yeah, I took the trophy to my hometown. And like I said, Dirk Nowitzki did that. Even Tony Parker did that as well. And Manu Ginobili, respectively, in France and Argentina. So it has happened. But as a documented at times, not a lot just because these players are like, they just want to keep it themselves. But I I bet that, yes, they, they have done that as well, but not as public publicly documented. Right, and you know, that's not nothing against the other leagues, but I think they have something to learn from the NHL. I think that's something in the NHL does, right? It's document that day with the Cup because not only does it, it gives a chance for the fans to see where this player has come from and get gives them a chance to see this person in their, in their culture, especially for international players, right? Like, for... I doubt it's going to happen with Nikola Jokic, but let's just put him as an example. Seeing him with the Larry O'Brien trophy for a day in Sombor, Serbia, Sombor, Serbia, would be fantastic because it highlights Serbia and its culture and its people in a way that is unique to basketball in this sense. You know, we same with, you know, bringing it back to the NHL, 
you know, Gabriel Landeskog brought it to Stockholm last year. You got to see a highlight of Swedish Stockholm culture. Swedish, you got to hear the Swedish, the Swedish language. You got to see the food, the people. It, it was a great time. And I think, you know, sports has something to learn from the NHL in that sense. I think that's something great. And it's only a day. You know, they, they come in, cameras are there, like, during the regular season, and then they leave. And the players can just go about their normal lives in the off season, And that's... But I think that's a great way for fans to not only I feel like more a part of you know this player, but understand their this player and who they are more than anything else. And it, it's really fun when you get to see other cultures being highlighted, especially in the sports world. And I think now ESPN has no one to talk about but Nikola Jokic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's all, and that's good, really. That's good. I think it's so terrible. Like I mentioned, we aren't in the international era now. We are, and we live in a world now that hey, you have access to it, so go for it. And and like I said, this era's not going anywhere. It's not, and we're not going anywhere in that regard as far as expanding on these athletes so we're not going anywhere guys we're not so that that's just the reality reality of it now and this this is not stopping at all this train this international train will not stop at all period and that leads perfectly alan into our final thoughts what do you what else do you want to add that we haven't talked about yet i for the next minute <laughs> well all i gotta add is him seeing a joker seeing his horses I think I would say, after whenever he retires, as I said, 10 years from now, don't be surprised if one of his horses, or whenever he gets more, gets to race in the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, or the Preakness. Don't be surprised of that. Will it happen? We'll see. But if he does, don't be surprised. Because, hey, he loves horses. That's a passion that I actually start to appreciate. So, if one of his horses ends up racing in those in those types in the in the triple crown, then then all right, we're not seeing the end of him as now being an owner of one of those horses. So keep an eye out for that. This is just something that I'm like, this could be something he could do after his career in the NBA is over, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. And guys, Alan mentioned it, but. You know, we've been maybe a little broad in the past, but we we're really hammering down this focus of, yeah, we're still going to talk NBA. We're still going to talk NHL. We're still talking MLB and the big hot button pro- topics. Next week, we're going to talk about probably the possibility of the Oakland A's moving to Vegas. But Soren Sports is your home for features on international players. After the Oakland A's, we're probably going to do a deep in dive profile of another player from overseas that is playing in these leagues. And this is your home for that. You, we're we're gonna hit this home button hard. These players work hard. They come to this country of the United States to play the some of the best sports in the world in some of the best leagues in the world. So this is your home for that. We're gonna crank this song up loud, and we're just gonna ride it out, guys. Find us anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, we're on all the socials. Just find us there. And uh, yeah, may uh, have a great day. Yeah, 
Dai pra lá, cara.